Turn with me, if you would, to um, anybody know where? Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1. We have been for some weeks here on the subject of the moving of the Spirit. And I feel that we're nearing the close of this particular series for right now. I've got some other things churning in me that I think it's time for us to embark upon. But uh, on this tonight, I feel that we weren't through. There's some more. How many believe it's important to talk about the moving of the Spirit? Learn about the moving of the Spirit. Because our uh, objective and our progression ought to be to learn how to better cooperate with Him and better yield to Him so that there can be a greater moving of the Spirit, not just at church, in your home, in your car, everywhere, because that's where He is. Genesis 1 and verse 1. In the beginning... God created the heaven and the earth. How many believe it happened just like that? Yeah. Other people have theories. This is not a theory. Hmm? A theory is what you think might have happened. Truth is what happened. This is truth. Not theory. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. Everybody say upon the face. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. The Spirit of God did what? Moved where? Upon. Upon's two words that are what? Up on. Which is different from within. Right? Within and upon are different. Now we know the Spirit moves within. But He also moves upon. And this is one of the things where uh, some people don't agree with us. And people like us. Particularly when it comes to being filled with the Spirit. Experiencing Power upon, talking in tongues, gifts and manifestations of the Spirit have to do not just with the Spirit moving in you, but on you. And sometimes people think because they have the Spirit within, that's the end. I have the Spirit. Well, praise God, yes. I mean, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ... He's none of His. If you're born again, yes, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is in you. But that's not the end. I said, no, it's not the end. He also, the same Spirit who's in you, just one Holy Ghost, He can fill you to overflowing and He can come upon you and anoint you and empower you. How many can say amen? Amen. Have you experienced any of this? If you haven't, you need to. You ought to. And if you have, you're hungry for more. Hmm? I am hungry for more. I'd like to see 
just how much anointing this old Mississippi boy could take. I would. I'd like to experience so much power until I had to say, Lord, uh, turn it down. Back off. Back off. I hadn't been quite there yet. How about you? As much as we can handle in this mortal state. And I believe that's the will of God. And that's what you see sometimes when people legitimately fall under the power. Now, when I say that, legitimately, it's because we have a whole generation now that's trained to fall. And that's one reason we have to have a well-organized usher team. Because you got people falling in the flesh and you can get hurt doing that. Now, you legitimately fall under the power. You don't get hurt. I've seen people. Phyllis is one of them. Back in the early days, Spirit of God moved to one particular service. Man, this was, we hadn't been married but a year. This is before we went to Raymond, many years ago. And she, this is brand new to her. She fell under the power and hit her head on the corner of a wooden altar rail. Now when I say corner. I mean it was sharp. Just like that. Nobody was standing around her. Catchers. We didn't know of such a thing. What's a catcher? And the whole church heard it. When her head hit that altar. I mean it's one of those. Bad sounds. And so people were concerned. And I had a thought or two myself. Because everybody heard it when her head, I mean, boom. And then she's laying there under the power. She looks fine. You know, she's serene and peaceful. So when she stands back up, everybody wants to know. How about your head? She says, what? Your head. She said, what about my head? Well, you cracked it on that. <laughs> she never knew it. There is an anointing Upon. There is the spirit moving on you. What does Acts 1.8 say? Anybody know? Acts 1.8. You shall receive. Then notice what didn't, didn't say you'll be born again. Didn't say you'd become a new creature. That's something else. These are for people who are already new creatures. Are you with me now? You know, on some people that don't understand these things, even some theologians, they'll talk about, you know, they'll try to say that the people got born again there in Acts 2. Oh, no, no, they're already born again. Read John. He breathed on them. Said, receive the Holy Ghost. This is the first opportunity they've had to believe that Jesus is raised from the dead. And isn't that how you get born again? You believe in your heart that God's raised you from the dead. You confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. They could see him. They believe that. He breathes on them. Something happens to them. Before, they were inside closed doors, scared. Now, they go right out, boldly praising God. Something has happened to them. Why? They're born again. But is that the end? He says, tarry, wait in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power. Till you get born again? No. There ain't nothing about being born again. Do you get saved? No, no. You be endued with power. Everybody say power. power. Come on, help me with this now. Power. power. 
power from on high. And then he said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come in you. No, no. Upon you. Now, I know a lot of, you know, Christians in different circles don't believe that. But we're sorry they're wrong. And they'd be a lot happier if they'd come on in with us. Right? And get excited. Let the power come on. And what you don't want to be, what you don't want to be, is people who have a form of godliness. But what? Deny the power. Because there's a lot of people, they believe stuff on paper, but if any power starts manifesting, oh, whoa, 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 no, no, what is that? No, no, we don't go for all that. We just come to church. And we like to sing our song and go home. Not us. Not us. We believe and we have faith in the power of God. Right? And in the Spirit of God coming upon. Go to 1 Corinthians 2. Let's read our text again. We believe in the moving of the Spirit. I know that goes crosswise with some folks' tradition. But... uh. You ought not base your life on tradition. Get in the scripture. Prove me wrong from the Bible. Don't take my word for it. You say, well, you're wrong, Brother Keith. Prove me wrong, but don't come with your opinion or what some brother so-and-so said or thought. Scripture, scripture, prove me wrong. Or whoever else that you think's wrong about. With the scripture. No, you'll find. Then in the beginning days of the church, they were Holy Ghost filled, empowered tongue talkers. Read closely, you'll see the Ephesians were tongue talkers. The Colossians, the Philippians, they're tongue talkers, Holy Ghost empowered. They believed in the power. They had the moving of the Spirit. That has not passed away. God has not changed His mind. Say it out loud. We have the moving of the Spirit. And we'll say something else in just a minute, but uh, are you there? 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2, 4. My speech, my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in what? In demonstration of the Spirit. And let's just stop right there. What is demonstration? To demonstrate something means to what? To show it. You'll see also the word in just a moment, manifestation. But what does manifest mean? Same thing. Revelation is a revealing or manifesting is a showing. Demonstrate. I mean, that's we use that terminology all the time. You usually don't say, demonstrate that to me. What would you say? <laughs> show me how to do that, right? Show me how that works. Well, we believe in the Holy Spirit, but does he also show some things? Not just believing in him that he's there and... And on paper, but he shows things. He shows the will of God in healing. By manifesting power in your body to heal you. And take away your pain. He manifests power, the God's will, for you to prosper. By manifesting in your financial, in your business, in your stuff. And giving you wisdom. On and on. Results. And that's what people are supposed to see. They're supposed to see our love. For each other. And they are supposed to be moved to repentance by the goodness of God 
in our lives. Well, that's not just theory. That's they're seeing something. They're seeing some good stuff manifested, demonstrated, revealed, shown. Well, who's doing that? There's some spirit moving. Now keep reading. Verse 5, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in what? What's in the power of God? Your faith is in the power of God. Now, every minister should know this and practice it and be developing and increasing in it. But also every believer, if you're going to be effective, you must develop and practice in this. What I mean by this is I'm speaking to you tonight. And people all over the world. But I am not relying on what I know or my ability to communicate for you to get results. Now that's easier said than done. But as you grow in faith, you develop in this in that you rely, you learn how to rely more and more on Him. And what are we counting on? To get the job done. Our wisdom. Our ability. Or what? The power of God. Let's say you're talking to somebody about the Lord. And they don't seem to be getting it. If you don't watch yourself. You could get frustrated. And you keep trying to see how I can do it. And if I can think up the right words. And, and in so doing. You could become pushy. Because you're, and maybe your heart's right, you're trying to make them see it, but you're relying on your ability to make them see it, and that's why it'll go from bad to worse. You obey Him. Say what's on your heart. Do what's on your heart. And then step back out of His way. And believe that the power of God shows them what you could never show them. And does in them what you could never do. What are we counting on for results? What we can do or what he can do? Now that sounds simple. It don't take long to say it. But I'm telling you, every day we should be learning more about it and growing in it. Going over to the 12th chapter, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, but What? But the manifestation, the showing, the revealing, we saw the word demonstrate, of the Spirit is given to the select few, hmm? to the holy, holy ones, huh? to those who after 50, 60, 70 years have learned, huh? To the ones who don't even have to work a job and just pray in tongues all day and all night. Huh? Only those that have fasted over 40 days at one time. Now, do you know why I'm saying all this? Because there's millions of people who'd never expect a real manifestation. Now, they believe the Holy Spirit's with them. But we're talking about a showing of His power. A demonstration, a manifestation in their life. They're, you know, they're content to go day after day and week after week just plodding along in what they can think and do. And they believe some other people maybe that's holy enough and got enough faith. Yeah, they could have some power manifestations. But you know, I'm just a regular Joe. What does this Bible say right here? What does it say? 
Come on, we, you know, we shouted about this last time I was with you. You remember that? Oh, that's a little weak. Now, we, we got excited. Don't you remember? We got excited. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> Maybe this will help you. Hold your place there. Go back to Acts 2. <laughs> Acts 2. We already talked about 1-8. You'll receive power. I like you saying that. Power. People have made all kinds of stuff out of that verse. But what will you receive? Power. Power. Man, there ought to be power in your words. There ought to be power in your presence. There ought to be power when you pray. Power when you just talk softly to people. Power. Power. Something that's beyond you. More than you. Right? And what is it? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the moving of the Spirit in and on your life. And who's it available for? Every man. Every person. Every born again child of God. Of course, people that's not could get born again. Then it's available to them. So it's available to everybody. Every man. Now, you know when they got filled with the Spirit in Acts 2. We've talked about this, shouted about this last time. And all these people heard them speaking in these other tongues. And some of them mocked and said they're full of new wine. And Peter got up, you know, and began to talk to them and said in verse 16, This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he quotes and says, It'll come to pass in the last days. Now, do you understand? He was calling that day the last days. Someone says, well, he made a mistake. No, he didn't. One day with the Lord is as a thousand years. So it's only been a couple of days. And he didn't say the last day. He said the last days. But if he was in the last days, me and you sure enough in the last days, right? We know this. It's later than it's ever been. We're closer to it than anybody else has ever been. Thank you, Lord. We're privileged to live in this generation. And in this time, we are. Favored of God. Let's see to it that we do the best job. With this opportunity that anybody would have done. And that God's selecting us to live in this. Whew, this powerful special hour and time. Would be confirmed that he picked the right ones. Let's see to it. He said in the last days. Says God. I will pour out of my spirit. Here's this word again. What? Upon. All what? All. Who gets to get poured out upon? The other verse said every man. What does this say? Come on, reach out your hand and arm. What's that? You got flesh? Then it's you. It's you. You for what? For the Spirit of God. To come upon you, be poured out upon you, move on you, in you, through you, around you, you, me, us, now, 
And that's why it's worded like this. And he goes on to say. Verse 18. And on my servants. Now see if he had just stopped right there. They were used to hearing that kind of language. If he's talking about his prophets. My servant, the prophet, this one or that one. But he purposely went on to make sure everybody understood. And on what? My handmaidens. What's he saying? Previously he had said, your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. Young men, old men are going to have the moving of the Spirit. What's he saying? All flesh. All flesh. Everybody. Everybody. Manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Everybody. Everybody. Say it out loud. I have the moving of the Spirit. I have the manifestation of the Spirit. I have power in my life, on my life. I have the moving of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Think that way. Talk that way. Make yourself available to Him every morning when your eyes open and you say, Oh, thank God. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. Move on me today. Empower me today. Let the power come on me today. And basically, it's going to be to help somebody. Not just so you can sit in the chair by yourself and go, Woo! 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 And so you can look at people and go, Oh, did you feel that? Woo! Uh-uh. Let's go back to Acts 1-8 and quote the rest of the verse. You know it. You don't have to turn there necessarily. You shall receive power. 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 power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you'll sit in a chair and go, Woo! Why? And you shall once in a while put on your witnessing shoes and your witnessing clothes and your witnessing brochures and go a-witnessing. No. You shall what? You will be. That's not something you do. That's something you are. 24-7, everywhere you go, everything you do, you are a witness of the birth, the life, the death. The resurrection, the soon return of the coming King, the Lord Jesus Christ. You are a living witness and you ain't just talk. There's power. There's power in your face. There's power in your words. There's power in your life. And when people see you, it's an in their face, love and faith reality that God is real. And God has chosen the weak and the foolish. Why? What does that mean? People look at you and go, it's got to be God. <laughs> right? I mean, ain't no way they could have figured that out. <laughs> All right, that was my review. Go to First Thessalonians, the fifth chapter. Well, you didn't seem excited about where we left off. So I had to remind you that we were excited about this. Right? Are we or are we not excited about the manifestation of the Spirit on every man, every woman, right? All flesh. You remember now we shouted half the night about all flesh. On all flesh. And that's me. Now let's talk some about this. First Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 
What do you do? That's a lot different from complaining. Rejoice. Ever. Now evermore. That's beyond this life. How many think there's rejoicing going on in heaven? Oh. Verse 17. Pray. Without ceasing. Now that's. That doesn't mean that every breath you pray. You're not doing that. You're not going to do that. How about when you're sleeping? You might be making some sound, but would you call that prayer? It's a lifestyle. In other words, it's never quit praying. All day and all night, things will come up. And you shouldn't think, I have to be at home kneeling by the bedside and do this for at least an hour for it to be any good. No, you can be right in the middle of something and under your breath say, Lord, I ask you for help on this right now. In the name of Jesus, show me what to do. And that kind of thing should be interspersed throughout all your life. So you pray without stopping, basically. You don't. uh, Somebody uh, asked Brother Smith Wigglesworth one time how long he prayed. And he said, well, hardly, you know, more than an hour. They thought, really? Great man of God like you? Hardly pray over an hour? He said, yeah. He said, but you know, I hardly go an hour without praying. (laughs) What's he saying? Not here. But you don't have to be in church. You don't have to be at your bedside before you go to sleep. It's a way of life. In everything give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now verse 19 what? Quench not the spirit. Now this is. We started out with this. And we've come full circle. We're talking about it again tonight. And talking about the moving of the spirit. Are there times. And have there been times in people's lives. Where the spirit of God endeavored to move on them. And around them. And through them. And with them. And they quenched him. They did not cooperate with him. This word quench has the idea of smothering or snuffing a flame or a fire. Something's trying to burn and get started and you put it out. You cover it. Now, this reveals something about the character of the Holy Spirit and of God himself. The Holy Spirit is God. And it is that he is not one who forces. He is not one who makes you and I do something. I've had preachers, bless their hearts, get in my face. And just adamantly trying to tell me, well, now bless God, God gets ready for you to do something. You're going to do it, bless God. Preachers, I'm talking about. Right here in this church. After the service, thankfully. And I just had to say, no, he's not. Oh, yes, I believe God is sovereign. They don't even know what that means. <laughs> A lot of folk like to use big words to make you think they're smart. What does that mean? Well, he's all powerful. I'll agree with that. He's all knowing. Amen. He's everywhere. Yeah. He makes everybody do what he wants them to do. No. (laughs) 
If he did, the world would not be the place that it is right now. You telling me God's making all these people do all this stuff? No, he gave you and I a will. It's like in the very beginning, he gave Adam an evil will. You're going to say it was his will for them to disobey him and eat of the forbidden fruit and die? No. But they got a free will. And that is the, I mean, this is a big one here. Why is there so much tragedy in the world, Brother Keith? Why is there so much pain and ugliness? Why is there so much terrible things? Here's it, here it is. Because man has a free will. That's why. That's why there's famine. That's why there's storms. That's why there's rape and murder and war and stealing and lying and killing. That's why. Because man has a free will. You can do what you decide to do. You can obey God or not. And if you don't, it's going to cause problems. And people are going to get hurt. Namely you. Because the wages of sin is death. Quench not the spirit. Everybody say that out loud. Quench not the spirit. Keep that in mind. Go back with me to uh, Judges. Didn't we look at Judges some last time? Do you remember? The answer is yes. Who did we talk about the spirit coming on? There we go. I'm hearing some names. Good, good, good. Spirit of God, we read it. Spirit of God came. First of all, we looked about how the Spirit of God came on all those individuals that Moses that were selected from the people, and they came on them and they prophesied. You remember that? We talked already about the Spirit of God coming on Saul, the soldiers that they sent to get David coming on them, and then prophesying. When the Spirit of God is really moving in a place, even people that's not right with God. Can get in and yield. Did you hear me? Now now listen to this. Just because somebody is used of God in a service. That does not validate their life. Someone said well they got to be holy and good people. And everything they're preaching has got to be right. Because look how God used them right there. God uses people who will yield to him. Who are available to him. It does not prove that all their doctrine is right. And in many cases. Well the last one we looked at. Samson. Did God move on him? Did we see a demonstration of the Holy Ghost? Yeah. But when he gets through. He goes back to Delilah's house. Is that right? And it happened more than once. I mean he is basically. More than once. He is at the prostitution house, sleeping over. And in the middle, how many understand? He's at a house of ill repute, drunk with women who sell themselves and everything that goes along with that situation and lifestyle. And the enemy comes in and he gets up and shakes himself. And the Spirit of God moves on him in the house of ill repute. Some of you looking at me like, read the book, right? Am I making this up? 
did he not on more than one occasion jump up out of Delilah's bed and have a manifestation of the Holy Ghost on his muscles and his body? Wasn't him. And we saw a moving of the Spirit in the house of ill repute. But did it last? No. Can't last. God is merciful. And see, here's the thing. God had a plan. He needed this man. This man was called of God from his mother's womb to do a job in the nation. He needs this man. And so he's faced with an issue. He needs the man. He needs the ministry. But how long can he let this go? So it got to a place where no matter how much he needed him. He had to. You know there came a time when he jumped up. And shook himself. And the Lord was not with him. And there was no manifestation of the spirit. They hurt him and beat him up. Put his eyes out. Put him in chains like a mule. Like a donkey. and Pulling a grinding mill oh but the mercy of God <laughs> round and round that mill and they he was their entertainment remember that I mean he was the champion and then to bring him out and laugh and mock and make fun and towards the end he asked God to have mercy on him and let the spirit of God move on him one more time and God did and the exploits in his death were greater than in his life. Oh, the mercy of God. Oh, the mercy of God. And I know this may sound funny, but listen. One moral to this story. You can't fight Philistines in the daytime and sleep with them at night. <laughs> You're either supposed to be fighting them or sleeping with them. Can't be both. Did you know how we got on this? Just because God uses a man or a woman. I have seen so much confusion because of this. Because somebody, did you know babies can be used in the gifts of the Spirit? People that got saved two weeks ago. If they'll just yield. Because God poured out His Spirit on what? Sons, daughters, handmaidens. Young men, old men, all flesh, right? If you yield to him. You know, the church of Corinth was one of the tongue-talkingest, prophesyingest churches in history. And he starts off the letter saying, you're a carnal bunch. <laughs> right? Babies. But man, you talk about some moving. But the, see, they didn't only have the moving of the spirit. They had all kinds of spirits. And flesh. But there were times when they were legitimately yielding to the Holy Ghost. Just because God used somebody to prophesy and the prophecy was God and right. Just because God used somebody to minister healing to somebody and they really got healed and a miracle happened. Just because God manifested his power in a person's life, that does not mean that you are to assume that that person's whole life is good and right or that everything they teach is right. I know of a case, now this is bizarre, where there was this man 
who's having this supposed to be miracle healing. And this guy comes from a distance away. And at the proper time when they were ministering, you know, and believing God for healing, he's healed of a spinal injury. He comes up out of a wheelchair. He's jumping around. And he's going, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And the man shouted him down because he said, thank you, Lord, for healing me. And the man said, I healed you. That's what he said. I healed you. Well, let you stop right here. Is this man right? Is what he believes and teaches right? Then how did this man get healed? In his meeting. The man came and believed God. And God healed him. That does not mean this man's life is right. And see that's what's been confusing to a lot of people. Because there's been numerous times when it was discovered later. That that person was drinking and doing drugs. And had five women or men on the side. And all this kind of stuff. Stealing money. And they look back and go, well, man, I got healed when they were doing that in their life. Well, that means God's faithful. It means God's merciful. And it also means, do you understand this? Who else is God going to use besides people on the planet? People just like you. People just like me. Sometimes I kind of feel for the Lord. (laughs) Who else is he going to use? Human men and women. And you know the biggest problem with preachers and teachers? They're like you. That's their biggest problem. They're like you. And they can sin and they can mess up and they can yield to their flesh. Just like you. But what's God going to do? Say, that's it. I ain't using anybody else that can mess up. Well, then there won't be any moving of the Spirit on the whole planet. Y'all with me on this? It's true, isn't it? Now look in uh, Judges. We saw Judges 3, the Spirit of the Lord came on Othniel. Judges 6, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Judges 11, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. Now we also saw that it was not a cookie cutter repeat of the previous thing. When the Spirit of God moved, it was in different people and different times, and they responded differently. God uses different people differently. Don't try to be just like anybody. Anybody else. Did you hear me now? Don't take any man or woman on the earth today And set them up as your ultimate example. And I want to be just like them. I want to walk like them. And talk like them. And preach just like them. Pray just like them. No you don't. Yeah I think I do. No you don't. If you become just like them. You're going to reproduce their faults. And they have some. Did you hear me? Nah. Raise your eyes up higher. If there's somebody you want to be like, it's because to some degree they're like him. So just go ahead, lift your eyes on up, right? And say, I want to be just like Jesus. I want to walk just like him, talk just like him, act just like him, respond just like him. Because that's what he told you to do. Told me to do. He said, he that says he abides in him ought himself so to walk even as 
He walked. Are we supposed to walk just like Jesus? It's our call. Now, if you pipe up and say, well, I don't know if that's possible. You're doubting the word of God. Believe it. Somebody say, well, I've already missed it so many ways. Yeah, we all know it. But that's why the blood of the Lamb was shed so that no matter how much you've missed it, you can start off clean again the next morning. Did you hear me? And set out today to walk and talk and act just like Jesus. And if you come short of it, repent. And get clean and start off again, right? To walk and talk and act just like, just like Jesus. Do it just like He would. Now, we talked about Samson. I want to talk some more about him in Judges 13, 25. This is before he was in the house of ill repute. How many remember the circumstances surrounding his birth? Holy. Visitation of the angel of the Lord. I mean, reminds you of the birth of the master. Right? An angel came to him. And he was conceived and born. And they had a charge from the Lord. That he was to live. They were to bring him up in a separated fashion. Separated from the commonality and the influences and the contamination of society. And there was a failure in that. Did you hear me? This is how do you know? Well, even as a young man, you see what he's doing and how he's acting. No respect for his parents. Did you hear me? Well, then you see why of all the things the Lord could have told him, that's what he told him about the separation. You know, uh, sometimes, so many times, Modern Christians are making so many mistakes with their children because they feel like if they did everything in their heart, they'd be too restrictive. And the kids come in and pout and say, well, all my friends are doing it and all my Christian friends are doing it. And people get tired of saying, well, that's not all right for you. No, you can't. No, you won't. No, no, no. But are we to be a separated people? We are. And so, no, you're not to be mean. And no, you're not to do things for no reason. But anything that influences people away from God. And young ones. That's why young ones have parents. Because they don't know enough to make those decisions on their own. They don't have enough experience or grace. And parents are graced for this. And one thing you're graced to do is to say, no. Sorry. No. No. Yeah, but you said no the last four times. I know. But it's still no. We love you. God loves you. That's one reason we're saying no. <laughs> well, I just can't stand it there when they feel so bad. Well, you're weak then. Be a man. Be a woman. Did you hear me? Be the head of your house, the mother of the house, the woman of the house. Be that pillar of truth. You don't have to be mean. You can be so sweet and so unyielding <laughs> and you can pat them while they cry and be unyielding I had a preacher one time well he thought he was getting me he said brother Keith well do you understand so and so and I said yeah and he said well what about so and so I said yeah and you know that this says this and I said yeah and he talked on and on and on and every question basically said I said yeah 
He said, so then you agree. I said, uh, no. <laughs> he looked at me like, what? You've been saying, yeah? I said, yeah, I know all that. So then you agree. No. Well, surely you must. And he went on this other big spill and, and he said, well, so this. And I said, yeah, no, this, yeah, this, yeah. So then this. I said, no. How many know you can be sweet, you can be kind and strong? Unyielding. Right? It should have been different with him. And here's what happened. 1325. Are you there? Judges. 1325. What does it say? And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him. At times, so it was more than one time, in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshdo. The next chapter, a lot of things have happened. It says the Spirit of the Lord came mightily on him. Then later times, it says the Spirit of God came mightily. It didn't say the Spirit of God came mightily on him. What did it say? Begin to move him. There is a familiarization stage there is a getting acquainted and learning to yield to the Holy Spirit I know in my own life there have been times in the ministry where I really began to seek the Lord and pray and believe him and and there were times early in my life the Spirit of God began to move on me and I did not know what was happening I, it was so strange and foreign to me I thought whoa what I, what is happening what do I do Thank God I had good people like Brother Hagen to talk to and different ones. And I thought, man, something wrong with me? What's going on? Because I didn't, you know, I'd have, I sensed the Spirit of God moving on me or dealing with me. But I don't know, sometimes it'd just be in your living room. And I'm thinking, what's this for? And I didn't know what to do. But now here's the thing that is critical. How do you respond? Do you quench or do you yield? Now, every man and woman goes through this. Every man and woman and young person that gets filled with the Spirit, experiences the power of the Holy Ghost coming on you, speaking in other tongues, that's not the end, that's not the arrival, that's the beginning. That's a doorway into a life of power. Did you hear me now? And there are progressive manifestations of the Spirit of God. He doesn't just come in and manifest Himself upon you like He would after 70 years of learning and service. It'd just be overwhelming to you. You just wouldn't know what to do or how to respond. He didn't come on Him. It didn't say the Spirit of God came mightily on Him. He's just a boy. What's happening? Began, do you hear this? Began to what? To move him. What? At times. So that's how he knew what to do. As a young man, you remember when that lion jumped out and roared? This is not his first experience with the anointing for strength. Now you think about it. Your first time out hand to hand with a lion? Let me remind you some other things. David. 
You remember a phrase David used when he faced Goliath? Huh? What did he say? I've heard about anointing. And we're going to try it out today. Huh? What did he say? What did he say? There was a lion. And there was a bear. What's he saying? Where was this? There was no crowd. There were no spectators. God is kind. Isn't he? He's kind. He'll move on you in some ways and areas and in a situation where if you don't respond right, there's not a thousand people to look at you and go, man, that was dumb. (laughs) In your bedroom, in your prayer closet, in your backyard by yourself. Did you hear me? If you're open, the Spirit of God will move on you to pray, to praise, to yield, any number of things. And you won't have all the answers and you won't know all about it. But here's the big issue. Do you have a heart to yield, to respond, or are you going to shut down and go, well, I don't understand this. I don't know about this. So, no, I don't like this. Because your flesh, none of our flesh does not like the unknown. If you've not been there before, you've not experienced it. The unknown and the not understood. If you don't understand it, you don't know what's going on, there's only one thing that's going to get you through that. Faith. When you come back and say, I don't know, but I know this is God. I don't understand it, but I trust you, Lord. I'm with you. I wasn't just hollering in service, move. I mean it. I'm here. And you may make a mistake. You might misinterpret something. You might yield the wrong way. You might respond the wrong way. That's one reason God gave us leaders. Did you hear me? I'm so thankful we, Phyllis and I had such good leaders in Brother Hagin. And there was a time or two he had to tell me, no, not like that. And it's something how, how much people's spiritual pride is present. You can take somebody that's been saved two or three weeks sometimes and they get in a prayer meeting they get anointed to pray for the first time and in their ignorance think well man I got it now I know how to pray and somebody try to correct them are you going to try to correct me how to pray well yeah and whether it's prophecy or tongues and interpretation there's been people before that we had to talk to about prophecy you know they were missing it in prophecy and confusing babies and we had to say, no, no, you need to calm down. You need to back up. Oh, well, we have to obey God. Really? Now, see, they just told us volumes. You know what they just got through telling us? I do not respect you as a leader. I know more about this than you do. Well, then why are you here? You don't respect us and believe in us as leaders? Why are you here? You have another agenda. Did you hear that? No. You got to be willing to make a mistake and be corrected and go, okay, all right, but I'm not quitting. I'm going to learn how to do this. I'm going to learn how to do this. Show me how. Well, tell me. Yeah. No, that wasn't right. Okay, sorry. I knew something wasn't right about it. But see, here's the thing that's confusing to people. They sense God moving. They know that's real. 
But then sometimes they try to associate everything they did with it as being right too. Just because the move of the Spirit was real doesn't mean everything everybody did with it was right or scriptural or a blessing. Do you understand? We have, all of us, we have a lot to learn about the moving of the Spirit. Oh, be the first one to say that. But we don't have to know all about it. This is what we have to have. A willing heart. Are you with me now? That when he begins to move, we don't shut down. We don't get scared. We don't get apprehensive. We don't get confused. We say, teach us, Lord. Show us. Yes, please move. Please show us how. Teach us how. And he'll begin to move in some subtle ways and not so powerful ways, but move at times. You might be in a store. You might be riding your lawnmower. You might be on the lake fishing, you know, and the Spirit of God moved. And eventually you'd find out, well, I'm supposed to pray when I sense that. Well, I'm supposed to stop and pay close attention and check inside me and see what I'm supposed to do. Well, I'm supposed to give when I sense that. Well, I'm supposed to do this. You understand what I'm talking about? It's an educational process. And if y'all were with us, you know, what was it? 2003, the fall of 2003, we spent months on the subject of the Spirit-led life. How many would agree there are few things in life more important than learning how to be led by the Spirit? And so what does it mean to yield to the Spirit? This is a good definition, I think. Believe the Lord gave it to me. Yielding to the Spirit means to act on the promptings of the Holy Spirit. To what? Act. Spirit of God prompts you to do something. How do you yield to Him? Act on it. Act on it. Move on it. And always be humble and teachable. And if you realize you caused a problem, you didn't do something the right way, don't get huffy. Who is there among us who knows all about the moving of the Spirit? We're learning. We're growing. Be teachable. You'll learn. Can you say amen? Amen. I am believing for a church full of Holy Ghost anointed faith people. The Lord gave us three main directives when we started this church. Anybody remember them? There were three main things he told me to do and us to do. Number one, he said, teach how to love each other. He reminded me of it today. He said, go back to what I told you the first time. Love one another. What else did he say? Teach the people how to walk by faith. How to live by faith. How to walk by faith. Do you ever get to the place where you know all there is to know about how to love each other? No. How to walk by faith? No. What was the third one? How to be led by the Spirit. That is, I hope you know I would not stand up here and say something like this. I'm convinced in my heart that is a directive straight from the head of the church. Straight from heaven. For us. So let's get it. I said let's get it. Say it out loud. I'm going to get it. I'm going to learn. By the grace of God. How to love. My brothers and sisters. I'm going to learn. By the grace of God, 
how to live and walk by faith. I will learn by the grace of God how to be led by the Spirit. And if you're led by the Spirit, you're going to have the moving of the Spirit. He's going to prompt you and move on you. You're going to respond. You're going to follow that leading and direction. And when you do, here comes the demonstration. Here comes the manifestation. Here comes the power. Oh, hallelujah. And that's how you are the witness. And I am the witness for Jesus that we're supposed to be. There is no other way. Without the power, nobody's even interested. Right? No reason for them to stop and take a second look at us. There's a lot of humans on the planet. Oh, but with the power, with the power, with the power, with the moving of the Spirit, the goodness of God being manifested all over our life. People, after a while, you know, I have, Phyllis and I have had relatives and friends from our families in our past, close and distant, that when we first begin into this, they thought they've lost their minds. What are they doing? They're nuts. They're weird. They're in a cult. They're off. They're this or that. Very unkind. And some of them, they were that way for 10 years. Some of them were that way for 15 years. Oh, but as the years click by, I said, as the years click by, some of the same ones that talked so bad 15, 18 years ago, calling us on the phone. Would you pray? Why? They have seen. They knew where we started from. They knew what we didn't know and didn't have. And they have seen the goodness of God and the power of God. They knew it had to be the power of God. How could we have done it? They have seen the undeniable witness of the goodness of God and the power of God, which is the moving of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Can you say amen? Stand on your feet. Let's lift our hands. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Mm, Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.